This is Alpha Geek Radio. A minuscule portion of the Daily Tech News Show was brought to you by me. Because I went to patreon.com slash acedetect and donated a dollar a month to a podcast that I really enjoy. Won't you join me? This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, July 4th, 2014. Live from Nerdtacular in Salt Lake City. Hey, thanks, you guys. That's fantastic. Uh, joining me today to discuss the news of the day will be Mr. Patrick Beja of the hey. Wonderloo Tech. How's it going? It's going very well. Thank uh, you. Yeah, there's a couple of people. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm really glad I can be on the show uh, with Justin today, who's the, the, the next guest. Spoiler, uh, Jesus. Because <laughs> Yeah, people you know, get really upset when you spoil things like that, dude. I'm sorry. So <laughs> I'll, I'll keep my... No, st- I'm still going to say it. Uh, he has a Twitter account for his beard. And I have a Twitter account for my scarf. Yeah. So, you know, I feel a real kinship here. And it's the beginning of a beautiful story. So. And we're going to find out which is more popular by the end of the weekend. <laughs> Obviously, that's the voice of Justin Robert Young of Night Attack Weird Things in FSL tonight. This is a, uh, a rock star atmosphere. Yeah, this for... is great. We have a... Are you ready for some tech news? <laughs> <laughs> for the detailed underpinnings of peering and transit. <laughs> uh, no, we actually have some headlines to get through. We have a topic to talk about. But then, uh, because this is actually a panel at Nertacular as well, after that sh- part of the show, uh, Jenny Josephson, our producer, is here with us. Um, <laughs> And we are going to uh, go through a little bit of how we do this show. And we want to take questions from you guys, because uh, I know we have some podcasters and aspiring podcasters out there. Uh, so if any of the mistakes we've made over the years can help you prevent making your own, that would be awesome. Let's start off with the headlines. The headline is that Len Peralta is on a hangout live. <laughs> And we'll be illustrating the show. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Len. Spectacular. How are you? Good, good, Tom. Good to see you. Uh, Len, is there, how many of you are from lovely Cleveland in the audience? I knew there were a few. Clap! Yeah. Make some noise! Yeah! <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, Len, thank you for uh, for taking a bit of your July 4th uh, to join us on the Hangout. I really appreciate that, man. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is my way of being at Nertacular when I can't be there in person. So. Fantastic. Uh, let's start off with... Our first headline, 9to5Mac reporting that Jean-Claude Biver, head of watch brands at LVMH, told CNBC this morning that Apple has hired one of watchmaker Tag Heuer's sales directors. A source confirmed the hire to 9to5Mac. Apparently, Patrick Pruneau, former vice president of sales and retail for Tag Heuer, was the person hired. Apple has not said anything public about the hire or whether they even believe watches exist uh, <laughs> or anything. But it is intriguing, if true. Um do you want to pronounce the names correctly now? Uh, uh, not really. Okay. If it's okay with you. <laughs> but I do, I do want to comment. Sure. Um, and I, I do feel like I have a certain, uh, legitimate, uh, uh, opinion on this because one of the guys is called Patrick. Um, so. Seems that, legit. <laughs> thank you, Justin. Did he, I, I knew we were going to, uh. Oh, no, it's a natural yeah. chemistry. Um, so the thing is, the thing that's really funny, it's not the first time we've heard about, uh, Apple getting into, uh, that market or planning to get into that market by actually hiring people who know how to make, uh, cool watches. And it just struck me when I, when I read this headline that 
they're actually the only ones doing this. And I don't understand why. It, it makes complete sense, right? You want to make watches that are highly desirable and that people are actually going to want to buy. So you go and hire the people who make the best watches in the world. Everyone else is approaching this issue through the only the tech angle. And apparently Apple is approaching it through both angles. You know, tech I don't know. Some of those Google I.O. watches, like the Motorola one, they, they had some style to it. Yeah, but I mean, it's not. It's it doesn't look like... It doesn't seem like just making a watch that kind of looks cool is going to be enough to make a product that's going to appeal to a wide consumer base. Yeah. So at least seeing that Apple is asking the people who know how these things work, uh, it, it's, it makes a lot of sense. And it doesn't seem like the other ones are, are doing What it. also bears mentioning that just because they hired somebody in this division doesn't mean at all that they're coming out with a watch. You know, yeah. like they, because they, they, have, they have gotten further down the road. Yeah. On Burberry, stuff. I guess. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they're after high-end designers and marketers for sure. Yeah, it's not the first person they've hired from, you know, the watch universe thing. Mm -hmm. So, The Verge reports Pew Research Center released another in its series of reports on the future of the Internet called NetThreads. Pew asked the experts, quote, by 2025, will there be a significant change for the worse and hindrances to the ways in which people get and share content online compared to the way globally networked people can operate online today? Of the respondents, 35% said yes, while 65% said no. Among the threads specified, the respondents listed government crackdowns, internet surveillance, and prioritization of near-term profits over the long-term benefit of the net, particularly net neutrality concerns. Another threat was overcompensating for the amount of information people are flooded with every day. So another piece of this was that they were saying the uh, the internet the positive responses in some cases they admitted were wishful. Yeah. Well, uh, this doesn't this kind of like super short-sighted stuff just kind of seem like like the old Henry Ford adage that if, you know, you would have asked, you know, what what the first car should be, people would have said a faster horse. Like, yeah, right. You know, it's just it's everybody uh, analyzing exactly what's in front of them, and and I think in general losing the forest for the trees. I actually think one of the important parts of these kinds of studies is getting our heads wrapped around what are the threats, so that yeah. we can actually can confront them. Tech Radar reports Lenovo has received permission to acquire IBM's low-end server unit from the Anti-Monopoly Bureau of the Chinese Ministry of Commerce. The deal was announced in January, but it is still awaiting approval from the United States. So the big question is, what's left of IBM now? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was the question when this deal was announced. IBM is definitely becoming a services company. Uh, and the other question is, will the United States approve this, given the in, the stuff with China that's been going on? Mm -hmm. We don't really like uh, a lot of Chinese influence and stuff. Lenovo's hadn't, hasn't had a problem in the past, though. Yeah. Yeah, seems a little bit hypocritical, but mm -hmm. yeah. ZDNet reports that the head of Google's spam-fighting team, Matt Cutts, is taking a break for a couple months. Cuts says he'll be gone through October so he can be with his family more. Cuts is the target of a lot of consternation from folks who hate it when Google changes their search algorithms. Some speculate it will be a step toward Cuts leaving Google altogether. The anti-spam team will uh, be keeping sites from gaming search results in the meantime. So are, is he going to do solo albums? Is that what this means? <laughs> I mean, it's a great uh, solo uh, band name, though. Matt Cuts? Yeah. I'd buy that record. I'd buy some Cuts. I mean, but, like, 
This seems like we have seen over the past two years, probably Marissa Meyer being the most notable, that a lot of like the bold-faced names that you used to hear immediately under Sergey and Larry have now kind of filtered out of Google. Yes, yeah, so some of them have moved into venture capital, some of them moved into XLab, some of them left entirely, like Hugo Barra, Marissa Meyer. Uh-huh. I think that you know it just shows you can only last so long in an environment that works you to death like that. Well, and I think it does read a little bit into maybe. Google realizing that that where they have gone in the last, you know, five years isn't necessarily where they want to be or they need to constantly evolve. And that's not a bad thing. It's not to say that Google did anything wrong. In fact, them constantly iterating is sort of the mantra of why Google is a special company. But it is interesting to just see all these, you know, if you read the the book in the Plex, you know, all these names that, that, you know, have that we just listed, they are all the main characters. And now it's a new story for Google. TechCrunch reports Nielsen's U.S. music report on the first half of 2014 shows the shift from music downloads to streaming continues. On-demand streaming was up 42% over the first half of 2013, while digital track sales fell 13% and full album sales fell 11.6%. Vinyl sales, on the other hand, (laughs) rose 40% hipsters over 2013. Audio streaming is gaining parity with video streaming of music, too. 33.65 mil- billion music tracks were streamed, compared to 36.64 billion music videos. Man, just wait until after Guardians of the Galaxy. We're going to see those tapes jump up. Everyone's going to be back into the mixtape circuit. It's going to be awesome. Ooga chaka. You got the next Wired one. reports that Nadim... Oh, jeez. Kobisi will release a bet a version of all-purpose file encryption browser plugin called MiniLock at the Hope Hacker Conference in New York. The free and open-source plugin is meant to make it easy to drag and drop files to encrypt so that no one but the intended recipient can unscramble them. I'm interested in not trying that out. I uh, want that. Yeah. It's, it's still in the beta process, so they're not guaranteeing security yet, but that's why they're, they want people to try it out. Time for some news from you. These are submitted on our subreddit at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Folks, if you want to get in there and have an effect on the stories we cover, do so. dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. TM204 submitted the Das Ersta article about the NSA program X-Keyscore targeting anyone who uses or visits sites for privacy protection tools like Tor or the Linux-based Tails operating system, which includes Tor. German public television broadcasters NDR and WDR reporters analyzed X-Keyscore source code, which indicated the program had targeted a German student who runs a Tor node. The EFF notes that the more people who use the tools like Tor, the less helpful targeting users blindly just for using them will be. The, there was a really uh, interesting follow-up to that story. Uh, apparently, it's not part of the Snowden leaks, mm-hmm. which is leading some people to believe it's still speculation at this point, but it, it might be that there's someone else who's now leaking uh, NSA information to the press. So it might be that you know Snowden has uh, influenced some of his friends at the NSA. Or, and, and the interesting thing is, if it actually is someone else, the NSA has not managed to close all the loops. That they, it's again, it's still speculation, but they haven't managed to close all the loops, and there's going to be a lot of ruckus about yes, this. Yes, there would be intriguing if, if, if found to be true. Uh, we, we don't know whether it's true or not, but it, it's certainly worth paying attention to, and not to minimize the importance of this topic. But I do hope if there are imitators, they call themselves Snowden Flakes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jalen Jade on Twitter pointed out a story at imedicalapps.com that the studies demonstrating the efficiency and safety of an quote-unquote artificial or quote-unquote bionic pancreases for people with type 1 diabetes have been published in the New England Journal of Medicine and announced at the American Diabetes Association Scientific Session in San Francisco. Say that five times fast. The Boston University-based project uses an iPhone, a Dexcom G4, and continuous glucose sensor, as well as a Tandem T slim insulin pump. Captain Kipper submitted the Torrent Freak article that SoundCloud has given Universal Music the ability to remove allegedly infringing copyright music from the service without consulting anyone or taking into an account a counter notice. DJ Mr. Brains has his paid account terminated due to repeated copyright infringements as a result of Universal's capability. And when he went to complain, saying, look, this is either an authorized use, because I do a show and I get this music from Universal in many cases, or I believe it's fair use because of the nature of the samples, SoundCloud said, sorry, can't do anything about it. This is directly in Universal's hands now. Uh, they had those files removed directly. Who will speak for DJ Mr. Brains? <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, this is, I think this is a major issue. SoundCloud is a, is a very thriving community. There are people who, who make their living off SoundCloud and to have what, at least on its face, seems to be a direct strike into that trust. I think it's going to really damage uh, the reputation of SoundCloud and at the very least open up the opportunity for another music sharing service. Well, th this is the same, uh, this is the way YouTube works, basically. Um, they, ha they, they have the content ID that lets uh, the people who claim that content uh, issue uh, strikes and even, you know, they decide what they want to do with the infringing videos. So yeah. playing devil's advocate a little bit, I understand SoundCloud, SoundCloud is not YouTube, but how is it different? Well, because you can respond, right? I mean, yeah, the, with the, the, the YouTube yeah. service is set up where, well, you can submit to a robot that will remove things. YouTube is still in charge of the counter notice system. Yeah. Uh, this is a... I this mean, doesn't seem to have a counter notice the, system. The fair, fair gentleman DJ Mr. Brains uh, had no recourse in, in his account. And, and he believes And it's that an old story. Lots of blogs were being taken down like 2008, 2009 for hosting files that they had been given by the record companies. Yeah. But then the record companies' legal arms didn't know that and went and had put cease and desists and had their blogs taken down. So it's an old issue. It's just showing up on SoundCloud that makes it interesting because SoundCloud's trying to be the open platform for music. Yeah. And all kinds of audio. And in, in that way, their response is a little bit cavalier, I guess. It's like, yep, don't know. Well, just I didn't quote them. their actual response, so I don't want to right. no, assign I too I wasn't, much emotional. I wasn't yeah. implying that their actual quote that was, they, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they, they didn't even try to explain it or to arrange the thing. It was basically... Just talk to Universal. We're not in charge of it. But I, I, I do think this is something where the clock is ticking for, for SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. If SoundCloud doesn't have any kind of meaningful response within the next two weeks, then there is, you know, if even slight and incremental, the permanent damage done to the trust with their users. And that is a look at the headlines. Hey, uh, thanks to Alpha Geek Radio for not only streaming our show all the time at mobile.alphageekradio.com, but also, ladies and gentlemen, Todd Whitehead. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Almost got him. Uh, Todd Whitehead is is the guy who's made all of the nerdtacular streaming possible, and uh, couldn't do it without him. So go 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 find his Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/AlphaGeek and and throw a couple nickels his way. Or if you're not from the U.S., that's five cents. <laughs> do more than five cents.
All right. I want to talk a little bit about jerk tech. A, uh, it's, it's a term that has popped up over the past couple of days regarding certain apps. We talked previously about Parking Monkey, uh, an app that got in trouble with the city of San Francisco for letting you sell the right to take the parking space you're leaving. The city said, um, these are free, pub- these are public parking spaces and the only people who get to charge for them are the city of San Francisco. Uh, and they're having a fight with Parking Monkey who says, stop us. Uh, we don't think your law is right. Now there's a new app called Reservation Hop. They're not the first person to do this or the first app to do this, but they have a service that goes and makes reservations at restaurants that are very difficult to get a reservation at. And then if you want a reservation in one of these places at the last minute, you go to Reservation Hop, pay them five bucks or so, and you can get a reservation. And a lot of people are inordinately outraged on the Internet. Uh, about the fact that this is happening. I, I think what's making people write about this, you got GigaOM, you got TechCrunch, you got a ton of people writing about this. Josh Constein coined the term jerk tech, is it's less of a let's disrupt the established market and more let's take advantage of an inefficiency in the system that most people were okay with, right? Reservation's hard to get. You know, okay, I just got to call early. Somebody coming in and making a reservation specifically to sell it later prevents you from making a reservation earlier on because they're taking up the space. Same thing goes with the parking spaces. Hey, you're making a, an already difficult problem harder. The companies argue, well, that you know, we're actually bringing more efficiency. Now you can get a reservation later on. Now you can find a parking space. What, what do you guys think of all this? This is such a San Francisco-only story, it hurts. <laughs> We would be getting more of a global audience if we were talking about the sentiment on Mars. Like, there is, like, literally no, there is no connection, I believe, to this story and the fact that it's a San Francisco story about a San Francisco company written about by San Francisco-based tech blogs that has any element that reverberates outside the Bay Area. I don't think it translates to Oakland, let alone the rest of the world. (laughs) I, I don't know. There's there's something in there. I mean, and I'm very remote from San Francisco. You know, I'm living in in Paris. Uh, there well, are is, you French? In, actually, I am. No. You didn't no, know I that? Didn't, I didn't realize. Right. It. Yeah. So the scarf would play in San Francisco, though. For the record. <laughs> it would look quite at home. That's yeah. I I, I try. You know, to fit in. <laughs> um, but no, there there is something a little bit more universal uh, about this, which is it does seem like this is a misappropriation of tech. Usually when, when we have these kinds of, of products, it is disruptive in the sense that is, it is uh, uh, making better an inefficiency that we all hate. Yeah. Uh, let, you know, Uber, for example. Um, th- in this case, it really makes you feel dirty and it's, un- oh, all right, completely uh, sentiment, feelings-based reaction. It feels unfair in a way that the, the other apps that do similar kind of things don't. The, the, uh, who here thinks these kinds of apps for the parking one and the reservation thing are That's unfair to cool. tie them both together, though. <laughs> yeah, so I am Brushwood I was screaming gonna say, in the background. Yeah. I was going to say, I wish Brushwood was here because he, he would run up and go like, just let the market do this, like anarchy, blah, blah, blah. And so thank you. All right, well, listen, I'll t- I actually talked about it before this. Just let the market figure this out. Anarchy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it absolutely should. I mean, this is something that, like, I think that... that All right, that just, the, just wait to... If there was only one person in this whole room who thought that thing was cool, right? And it was brushwood, so it doesn't even count. <laughs> so, wow. All right, Brian, come up. Brian, Brian's coming up. Everybody give Brian a round of applause. Right there. 
right there. Hi, Brian. First time, long time. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing, though. If you're gonna if you're gonna take this position, you got to go all the way. How many of you guys would ever use a ticket rebuying serv- service like yeah. StubHub? Would you guys shut down StubHub today? Yes. All right, screw I you. I use it all the time. <laughs> I mean, the problem is, is that uh, what, and the whole reason that my default position is let the market decide is because by nature, what the market decides is those who want it the most, by nature, get it. And for example, you know, my daughter has food allergies. After a hurricane, I might want to go and get a special brand of formula. And if, you know, you go to two different stores, one guy said, yeah, man, hurricane came in and I was not going to raise my prices. I kept them all the same. I was like, great, let me have some formula. He's like, oh, no, 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 we sold out of that shit a long time ago. And then you go to the next guy, and the guy's charging fifty dollars. But you know, with my kid, I gotta, you know, I'm, I'm happy to pay that fifty dollars. Likewise, if you have some kind of of super important uh, uh, job interview for the job of your lifetime, you would pay a hundred dollars for a parking speed spot. But there just isn't one because we kept it fair, and fair means that you totally, regardless of how much you want to pay, don't get to do it. Same thing with uh, with reservations. If there's some kind of you know big big deal where you would pay, I would prefer there there at least be that opportunity for it. Yeah, I, I would think, be... Can I just say something? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll give him a round of applause. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would be fine the proletariat with proletariat will rise. In Los Angeles. Because currently the manner, if you can't get a reservation in Los Angeles, you only can bribe the guy at yeah. the front or say, I'm with, you know, Rossdale Party of Four, which is not, like, totally effective. So the, the, the way that I get around that is by a, a system to pay more money. If I have a boss in town, I'm okay with that. As long as you're not, like, doing astronomical surge pricing and then it's in some way, you know, restricted. But I feel like this is something that will be decided on by the users, you know? Like, we're going to decide whether or not this feels weird, and also to say that it is subverting the reservation system is to assume that the reservation system is perfect, if not efficient, you know? Which I don't think that well, for anybody I, who's worked in... All, here's where I, here's I, where I dis, dif, dif, differ from all of you guys. Yeah. You're all going into the practical aspects of the individual apps, and that's totally fair. That's a, that's a perfectly appropriate way to look at it. What fascinates me is the sense of outrage, no matter the practicalities of how these apps work. For the parking app, if you look at the practicalities, the city of San Francisco manages the parking for good or ill. It's their parking to charge for. And so you don't get to go say, oh, I'm going to take a space and, and, and charge for the ability to leave it. city of San Francisco gets to say that for their parking spaces. Yeah. If they were not owned by the city, that would be different. For the reservation app, it's up to the restaurants. And the CEO of this app who's a, seems to be a lot nicer than the parking monkey guy says look we're a little we knew some people wouldn't like this we're a little surprised how much outrage there is we want to work with the restaurants to make this work and benefit the restaurants and the patrons as well and i think if it was pitched that way people would not have a problem with it no more than they have a problem with open table or anything like that yeah. what it is is you perceive it as somebody getting an advantage because they've got and they've got the some, money. Well, it's, whether it's the money or they have the device because it only works on iOS. In, in other words, this is a first-come, first-served basis. If I can get in line and, and get the reservation earlier, then I should be rewarded for that. And somebody else shouldn't be able to jump the line. That's exactly it. And That's I'm jumping saying, the line. I'm not saying that that shouldn't be that way. Brian's like, they, if they got the money to jump the line, they should get to jump the line, right? <laughs> but well, no. What I'm what I'm pointing out is not that one is better than the other. It's that certain people just feel that that's unfair, no, no matter what you say, and that's fine. 
Like if if certain people feel that that it's unfair and it like is something that I mean remember the remember the service Blippy that everybody like fawned over back in like oh nine it was uh it was a social network about credit card charges and everybody was like really excited and it got all this press because finally we'll be able to automatically share everything we buy on our credit card <laughs> which <laughs> we all have wanted yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's like well no I don't want anyone to know what I'm charging on my credit card I want to keep that private uh. That was something where the, where everybody decided it was weird to have that automatic uh, stuff, and I think that this I will this it, will live but, or die based on that. No, but the, the, you're you're both Brian and yourself talking about different things. Now you're talking about you know Blippy, which was a completely different thing. It was just weird because who wants to share what? They yeah, do? yeah. And and Brian was making basically making the argument that this is capitalism. And yes, sure, we all love capitalism, and yes, the open market, and by the way, net neutrality ties into that, and we need uh, the open market and the free market there, but, right? Sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but in this case, the real issue is that it, it, it's sort of separate from uh, the, the question of the free market will decide. It's the sentiment that this is unfair, the sentiment that this is people... Uh, uh, who come in at the last second and who didn't, because you planned, if you want to get your reservations, you're contentious and you're planning to get your thing and you're doing, you're following the rules. And there's someone who's coming up at the last minute and who's, who's actually effectively jumping the line. And it's not an articular VIP. It's someone, you know, after everything been, has been sold out, someone, and, and you wanted a, a, a ticket, someone comes up and just jumps in front of you to get the, the ticket that you were well, going to get. And you find out that the person who was in front of you in line never wanted to go to Nerd Tech. Yeah, they exactly. were just right. doing it for the money. It's, it's paying a hobo to queue for you at the it iPhone's is. release. It's exactly the same. And you may think that's fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that that's a bad thing or a good thing. You may think that's fine, but that's what it's equivalent to. And I think the issue is all perception. If the restaurants were in on this from the beginning and saying, hey, we have this new system. It's very similar to StubHub. They use some of what Brian said. Mm. So you're familiar with that. Uh, this is a way for you to get reservations that you might not be able to get otherwise. And it, and if the pricing was reasonable, which it is, five bucks. That's how Priceline you know, works too, by the way, it's for right. hotel rooms. It, yeah. There's yeah. Pri- Priceline price price pre-buys yeah. hotel rooms it's the fact that will that go these guys empty. Are, seem yeah. to be doing it without the restaurant's cooperation. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're like taking up space for no reason that I think myths some people. I guess that's, I mean, I don't know. Having worked in a restaurant and seeing like how many people flake on reservations, how many times you can walk into a restaurant even if you don't have a reservation and if you just happen to have the right yeah. number of people uh, at, at the right time, you're able to get it. You didn't make a reservation for a restaurant that might have four-month <laughs> reservation policies and yet you're able sure. to sit down and have a meal. Like I, I don't know if us saying like that, so, that cre- having a new creative solution to the reservation process is bad because we're assuming that the reservation process is efficient now. Well, no, I agree. I, th- I think there is a way to make it work. And if these guys work with the, the restaurants and, and make this into a, 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 a rationalized system, I think it could work and it could solve all, all of these, these issues. It's just that the way it's working now feels icky. Which, I mean, especially, especially at long-term reservations. And this is, I assume we're talking a lot of these about like the celebrity chef, you know, you have to have a reservation for four months in advance kind of restaurants in, in San Francisco where this would be the most effective. A lot of times in those res- those restaurants, you make these reservations four months in advance, and then you have no idea if you are actually going to go there four months later. You just want to have that option. So if this is a way that the restaurant can guarantee that people are actually going to be sitting down and using those reservations, then it could be at the restaurant's uh, advantage. But uh, I don't know. I guess I think- here's, here, here's my, my last point. Foodies Thank God. are... 
Shots fired. I know. Bam. He insulted the scarf, okay? You don't do I that. didn't insult it. Well, now, I said it. I said it played who across. insulted whose beard or scarf. <laughs> What's your point, Justin? Uh, my beard's Twitter account is going to be so fired up about that. Uh, I think that uh, foodies are loud, complaining, miserable people, and I feel like that's what this is all about. More shots fired. There we go. I I actually don't think it's... Go ahead and look at Yelp and tell me that's not true. I I think that may or may be beside the point. I I think that what's going on here is tech disruption was great when they were disrupting companies that we all hated. Tech disruption becomes personal when it's like, well, wait a minute. that That's disrupting me. I don't like that. It's, an, it's a little bit of a NIMBY thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, message of the day comes from Alan Char, who writes... In the Facebook mess, it reminds me of the Eric Reese's heralding of rapid prototyping by doing things like putting a button to buy something on a website to see how many people click it, even though that thing didn't exist yet. The data collected would be used to decide to build the product. To me, this is bait and switch and seems as unethical as the Facebook experiment. Um, I think that's probably unethical, but unethical in a different way. Um, it, it, you know, I, what are your guys' feelings on this Facebook emotional contagion study? I I look at it entirely differently from a Facebook perspective than I do from an academic perspective. Uh, please, sir, please go ahead. Oh no, yeah, that's all you, baby. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. You know, super happy about the the Facebook uh, study. I think mostly the problem was it was it wasn't presented and prepared in a in a in a in the right way. Uh, this one, I think, is a little bit different. If if you click on a button and you get to a page for a product that doesn't exist, you've lost basically four seconds, um, and you you haven't you know you, sure I'm sure some people could claim that they have been emotionally damaged by the fact that they were hoping to see that awesome product and in the end it wasn't didn't even exist. But I wouldn't believe those people, yeah. so I, I wouldn't equate the two. Uh, and Beej writes, I realize you all love your technology and drones are cool and fun and harmless, but I have to tell you, though, that I love our national parks and I go there to get away from technology and enjoy nature. Yes, I know a certain amount of technology will intrude. I won't leave my cell phone behind. I'll get there in a car, and if I'm hiking, I may take some high-tech gear to make sure I don't get lost. Other than that, I want to enjoy the park's beauty as naturally as possible. (laughs) Not only would a drone spoil my enjoyment of the park, but it would frankly creep me out if it came anywhere near me. I would find it intrusive. After all, the drone can see me. I can't see who's behind the drone. Creepy. Fair enough, but... It's it's very interesting that, first of all, the drones are very new, so I'm sure people will get used to them, or might. Um, but the most in- interesting thing here is that he's saying, yeah, sure, I know, you know, technology is going gonna, is gonna to keep moving forward, and I'm okay with my thing that's this and that and this and that, but anything else, that's not okay, right? He just draws the line very abri- arbitrarily to the things that he doesn't want to use and he doesn't see a, a, a use for. Yeah. So I think that's a little bit unfair again. It just seems very specific, doesn't it? Like, I like just, everything that like, I use, Yeah, exactly. but nothing that I don't it use. It sounds like he's writing his own little, like, drone in the park slash fiction. Like, you know, <laughs> I was in the woods when I heard the world that would change my life. <laughs> All right, uh, let's check in on Mr. Len Peralta, who has been drawing us a special nurtacular episode of Daily Tech News Show illustration. Uh, Len, what do you got for us? Uh, Well, I wanted to do something that was uh, in honor of the 4th of July and also in in honor of nurtacular. 
So here is my image. It's a happy nurtacular, happy 4th of July image. Explode something big in honor of American nerds. Happy nurtacular to all of you. And we got the hey. doctor there. We got the TARDIS. Oh, yes. We and got a uh, firework. Right here, little snowbird, because I know you guys are in Oh, <laughs> That's lovely. Noted American science fiction icon, and, the doctor. And who... <laughs> That and looks the, like the Twitter bird, except hell is freezing over. There's like yes. some sort of subliminal tech message there. Oh, but there's a Spider-Man in the in the tie, and there's, there's a Spider-Man, Punisher there's the Punisher, Punisher, there's yeah, a Punisher, yeah, it's Punisher Doctor too. Who, all things that all fantastic, Len. Uh, if you'd like. Yes, to, it's up uh, there right now, actually. Excellent. Go check it out. Thank you, Len, for doing this, man. I really appreciate oh, you no taking problem. time. Have a great time. And thank you, uh, France, for helping us in the Revolutionary War. <laughs> You're for welcome. The Statue of Liberty, and for loaning us Patrick Beja for this show today. <laughs> oh, I think the message says you can keep him. So. <laughs> uh, no, Patrick, uh, of course, uh, you can follow on Twitter at twitter.com slash notpatrick. Anything else you want to let folks know about? Um, I guess if you're interested in uh, tech news, which some of you might be, and if you speak French or are learning French, you might be interested in uh, Le Rendez-vous Tech, which is my French tech news show, so... Uh, Twitter that, uh, Google that, and I'm sure you'll get to the right page. I highly recommend if you want to brush up on French, especially if you've studied it, you're going to know a bunch of the words because they say Facebook and Twitter, and you know, uh, <laughs> I, I'm serious. It, you you laugh, but it it, it really may, helps you kind of know the context and and check it out. Le Rendezvous Tech. Uh, thank thank you. you, Patrick. Justin Robert Young. Yeah, a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, it's you always embody the spirit of America. I I like to think so. Here, giving the tech news. In a beard, the way the founders intended. <laughs> it's written in the Constitution. Yep. <laughs> you can find twitter.com slash Justin R. Young. Anything else to let folks know about? Uh, no, I just want to give a big shout out to the crowd here. We have a massive crowd here. Thank you so much. Don't forget, folks, you can have a voice in what stories we cover at our subreddit, dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. You can email us feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. You can call us, leave us a phone message. Brian, that's a free local call for you, 512-59-DAILY. That's 512-593-2459. Listen to the show live at mobile.alphageekradio.com and visit our website at dailytechnewsshow.com. Thank you, Brian Brushwood, for yeah. contributing. Thank you, Jenny Josephson. And thank you, everybody in the audience. We'll be back Monday with Julio Ojeda Zapata, tech writer for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. See you then. We're not done. Are you still here? Is everybody still here? Yeah, so um, I think what we're going to do now... Apologies. Are you going to put... Yeah, let's put us something back up or the uh, switch. I think what we're going to do now is uh, do a quick rundown of how we do the show. Uh, and Jenny and I will comment on that. You guys want to hang out and just kind of... Sure. As, yeah, as sure. people who participate in the show as guests quite often, be interested to get your perspective. Uh, and then we'll take whatever time we have left. For questions. Uh, um, do you need me here? Sorry? Does anybody have any questions oh, for me? Yeah, yeah. Anything for Len before we let him go? Oh, come on. Don't be shy. They're all busy at LenPeraltaStore.com. They're on their phones <laughs> yep. right now. I have a question for Len. Yes. Uh, how are you so awesome? Uh, how do well, you do it? That's, how do I do what? Draw? 
being awesome. I just, yeah. I just how are you, how are you that awesome at drawing and how much do you draw or understand beforehand versus <laughs> just drawing it as we talk? Oh, uh, well, during the show, uh, I look at the notes of the, uh, for, for Daily Tech News show and I take a look at what the stories are going to be and if there's something that interests me, I'll draw that. Uh, but I will draw it probably about half an hour before the show starts. I'll do the pencil sketch. But most of like the coloring and the inking happens live while the show is being taped. So there is a little bit of behind the scenes stuff. Um, but, uh, but yes, most of it happens within about an hour of actually recording the show. So first hour, first half hour prep, then second half hour draw. So and what, then, what, what is the most popular print that you've done? Uh, probably Apple Beats. Mm-hmm. Damn. Which was really cool. That right behind the Daily Tech News show All Stars. Nice. Hey, have, have nice. you ever had My face was on that one? That's red. <laughs> have you ever had a show where you were you had like no topic for for drawing at all? Um, sometimes it was a harder. There are some topics that are a little bit more difficult, and I just try to work through it. Uh, this one, I I decided to do something fun for you guys at Nerdtacular because I thought it would be a really, really cool little thing and a lot of fun to do, rather than take one of the tech news stories. So, uh, but I try not. I, you know, I know the ones that aren't really good because they don't really sell. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, who here in this room wants to get Len here next year in person? Oh snap! Take that! Take that to your barbecue, Len Peralta. Yeah, <laughs> I I've wanted to do Nurtacker for quite a long time, and so yes, next year possibly. There are like six people here from Cleveland. You could have yeah. just carpooled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could charter. Charter. Charter a bus. That would be yeah. great. Yeah. The nerds the across America. Well, I think what we're going to do, uh, because we only have about 15 minutes left, Len, if you want to hang around for those 15 minutes, please do. If you need to go, uh, go ahead and, 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 and ring off. And, I'll uh, hang out we'll, for a little bit, but I might just pop off. Yeah, pop off whenever you, know, you need to. Let's, think, let's just know. take questions, straight questions. Come, uh, on, come up. on up here to the mic. I'm going to turn it around that, that direction for you. Uh, but I want to talk, I want to take questions on anything we do on Daily Tech News Show. There's an entire podcast track coming up after this about how to podcast about the technology of it and the specifics of it but if you've got a question just about like why do we pick stories the way we do why do we you know schedule guests why do the way we, we do? hate google yeah. apple facebook why do we hate, insert technology i love yeah. here <laughs> if you come up and ask a question you might walk away with one of these which were created Ooh. by sebgons all right you know, or or maybe the the Patreon. Oh, here we go! Hey, we everybody, go. applaud go. this guy. Tom, I had a question for you. So, okay. on your Patreon every day, you say the number of people, and you're trying to do new stuff with the money you're getting from Patreon. I'm just curious, what ideas you have to improve on the show, and what new ideas you have? Sure. Uh, we what we our long term goal is to have. Uh, a video element with lower thirds, with post editing, uh, with, with something that, that makes a video show feed worth having and, and makes it worth promoting as video rather than just the spy cam, <laughs> the shaky spy cam, uh, here. Uh, in the near term though, what we're trying to do is test out some ideas around contributor segments. Uh, so, so maybe some, some different ways of, of presenting news that you wouldn't hear about otherwise. Uh, we have certain people who have been asked to to try some segments, and we're we're hoping to to get a few of those in. Remember, we did the esports segment. 
Uh, it wouldn't necessarily be about esports, but it'd be that kind of thing, and it, it might be a shorter, it might be different topics. And Jenny and I have been working on uh, specials as well. We uh, had the first, if you're a patron, you know, we had the first interview as part of our peering special on uh, on Wednesday. Um, anything else I'm forgetting, Jenny? Um, well, my dream, and I know Ken from Chicago has been uh, very vocal about this on Twitter, is as much as we can try to take this show on the road, because doing this show and getting to talk to all of you is one of the more amazing opportunities. So that's a little ways down the way, but... Um, you know, we had a lot of fun when Tom went to uh, Greenville High, and we've heard from other high schools asking, can we come back and do that? And I think that's one of the more rewarding things that we tend to do uh, with this show every once in a while. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. I just had a question. Based on you guys looking at the news every day, um, we have a very optimistic future imagined in, you know, say, Star Trek, for example. What do you guys each see as the technology that has come up, be it Google opening up the Internet for everyone like they're doing down in Provo, or whether it's SpaceX, or what do you think will be the, the next big stepping stone towards us getting to that future? Hmm. Do you guys want me to start, or do you have an answer pop to mind? Um, I mean, I would say... The two things that are the most exciting to me are, are SpaceX, number one. I mean, I think it's just if you're not excited about SpaceX, you don't have a pulse. Like, it's, <laughs> it's amazing to see what they're doing and, and the, the velocity in which they are uh, achieving their goals, literally. Uh, but also, you know, my buddy, uh, Andrew Main, uh, has recently just become obsessed with VR. And I think, uh, what Google did with Google Cardboard, uh, as much of a kind of a silly gimmick as it kind of seems at, at its face, is really important to understand that, like, for a very low cost, we can now uh, have people think about VR as a content platform. And I think that's something that could very much sort of uh, become a reality, like smartphones were sort of seemingly overnight. Um, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about isn't necessarily technology, but is a world 30 or 40 years from now where everybody, or hopefully everybody, uh, comes up through schools and is grounded in technology, it, that it's not a thing that some people know about. It's going to be the thing we all know about. And hopefully our schools are going to come up and, and give everybody a chance to learn how to code right from the beginning. And so that, that the world that we'll be living in is one run by people who understand how things work. And I think you're looking at a bunch of people like that in this room today. I mean, that's a future I'm really excited for, even if I'm going to be the old grandma sitting on the porch going, I was really good at logo. <laughs> <laughs> I made that turtle spin. <laughs> um, I think from a maybe a little bit more immediate future, so I don't know if it answers your question exactly, but I think uh, the personal data... Gathering is going to change a lot of things. I know we're, it's, it's a lot of fun to, to joke about the, the Google watches and the Apple watches, but the, the, the promise of all of this is that we will actually know a lot more about what makes us tick. And it, there, there's a huge amount of, of data that possibly, if gathered and analyzed properly, is going to improve a lot of, you know, our health and just the, the simple understanding that we have about uh, the way we work in our bodies and on a very personal level. Um, so I think in, in the next few years that could change a lot of things very rapidly. It seems like things start out as problems and 20 years later uh, they are 
not they are either problems but they are problems we've accepted or learned to deal with and i think the thing i'm most ex excited about is learning to deal with those problems that we've created with the internet uh yeah we'll have wearables and yeah we'll have internet of things and home automation and i'm excited about all the same things that these guys are talking about as well but we have this conference here nerdtacular because the internet was created this would not happen there's just no way that you would get the momentum of people sharing interests, getting to know each other, reaching out, people like Scott and I being able to do shows, people like Patrick being able to do shows, Justin, if we didn't have the Internet. And all of these problems that we talk about are real problems, but they're problems of us growing up on a new platform. We're learning how to use a brand new tool, right? Uh, and yeah, you can stab somebody with a screwdriver or you can fix a machine with them. And you can still stab somebody with a screwdriver, but we didn't ban screwdrivers. We learned how to deal with it. Uh, and I, I, I think we're learning how to not stab each other with the Internet right now. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, that, that doesn't come without risk, right? But I'm looking forward to that 20 years from now, what those new problems are going to be and how silly some of the things we talk about now will feel then, not because we were silly to worry about them, but because we did worry about them and we, and we figured out how to deal with them. Thank you. My question about the show is, I know you're watching news sources every day and the Redditors are doing great contributions, but how much actual prep time to, like, say, you and Jenny or Patrick or Brian and Justin put in right ahead of the show? to make sure that every day doesn't turn into a two-hour show. <laughs> How do you make <laughs> no, sure, true. you know, this is what we need to talk about? Uh, I'll, I'll go through that in some detail, but I'd like you guys, if you have something to respond to there, go ahead first. Oh, uh, no, you go ahead. Um, I can go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's a huge amount of work. I mean, I, for me, I do a, a, a bi-weekly, bi-monthly show twice a month. Um, so that's... A, a little bit of a different pace, but it, it takes a lot of time to make sure that you don't miss anything. Um, I would say one to about an hour a day minimum, reading all the all the, the feeds. There's, I guess, a couple hundred stories a day. Plus, I listen to a bunch of podcasts to, to make sure that not only I know the stories, but then I understand them because by myself, I'm not going to get anything. Um, so the people who are actually clever enough to analyze this stuff... Uh, I also listen to that, so it, it, it's a lot of work. It's actually, I would say, the majority of the of the of the work time that I put into the shows. Uh, I mean, I think for for this show, uh, you know, it's it's a, a lot less of a workload because Tom does such an amazing job of curating everything. But uh, I will say that the the biggest thing for me when looking at guest hosting on on DTNS and and what I think makes DTNS stand out amongst all other tech news shows is that. There is a commitment to a different kind of take and an and, and avoidance of the super easy pitchfork raising, let's chase around the monster kind of take. And that's something that I feel a, a lot of uh, pressure whenever I read the stories. It's like, well, let's, let's not just say the easy, let's not just say the easy thing. Let's just not all like net neutrality. Ah, let's all scream together. That, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, that to me is is where a lot of the work goes in because that's I feel like I would be betraying this show if if I contributed to something like that. Do you have, do you... My job is just to make Tom's job easier. 
So uh, what Believe I do... Me, she makes my job a lot easier. <laughs> you don't see it. Uh, so what I do is I go through the rundown. I usually make a new... Here, I'll show you. Hold on. Please stand oh, by. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, we can actually do visual aids. Yes. Okay. So here's our rundown. And our title today is Nerdtacular, Nerdtacular. It's part of the vernacular. Unless you all can come up with something better. Um, so I will go through and do what I call like the basics, the everyday basics. So I'm adding in... The guests and all their correct titles, which, you know, some people don't care about titles and some people care about titles quite a bit. Um, so it's really important to get that right. Uh, I'm adding in, uh, uh, the messages of the day and we're really trying to get better about making sure the messages of the day have some sort of flow or reason to them. Um, and, uh, I'm always adding in the Patreon amount and just little things like that that just sort of make it a little bit easier so he's never thinking about that. And then I'm doing a little bit, not today because we have this amazing sound crew, but uh, a little bit making sure that one guest isn't horribly louder than the other. Um, and then a lot of my job is booking and things that are happening and, and just sort of like being someone to bounce this show off of because, you know, he spends a lot of time alone in the basement. So <laughs> I go upstairs, too. Yeah, upstairs. Yeah. So every once in a while, it's really nice. Just I'm, I can't speak for you, but it's nice for me to actually have someone to talk to about this and say, okay, what's the direction? Where are we going? What are you interested in? And, you know, so if I can just, like, clear the road, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, my day starts... Usually I get up, first thing in the morning I do is I read through all of the, uh, I think it's 25, 30 uh, sources for tech news uh, and, and mark things that have happened overnight uh, and anything that, that has happened since the last time I checked uh, that I'm either seeing frequently or I think is particularly interesting or is a follow-up to something we've talked about. And I look at the international news, so I'm making sure that, you know, I don't go in and start joking about earthquakes and there was a massive earthquake that killed a bunch of people or, or just to, to generally know what's going on in the world, right? Uh, I do that. That probably takes me 35, 40 minutes. Uh, then I go some, I do some other stuff, work on some other things, and I will check the feeds a couple more times, uh, after that, just checking in to see what's there. Maybe, uh, send a couple of emails, particularly regarding the guests, making sure they know, you know, and don't, what's gonna happen. It depends on the guest. Pat, something like Patrick's been on so much, it's more like, hey Patrick, let me know if you have any questions, etc. Then around about 10, 10 30, I'll send an email to that day's guest and say, okay, do you have a preference on the discussion topic? Because I like the guests to be invested in that. Some guests are like, ah, I'll talk about anything. You know, doesn't matter. Some guests are like, oh, I've been working on this story. I want to talk about that in particular. From 10.30 until 1 o'clock, uh, it is pretty much solid me reading stories, trying to wrap my head around them, figure out what those angles are that Justin's talking about. And to break that down a little bit, from 10.30 to 11, I'm looking at the headlines. I'm trying to figure out, okay, I'm going to make a draft version of what's going to go into the headlines uh, based on what I see on Google News, what I see on TechMeme, what I see in our subreddit, and just what I think generally is, is getting covered a lot based on what I'm seeing in my feeds. From 11 till 12 is when I'm really digging into that discussion story and trying to find all the angles to it because no one story ever covers everything. Good sources like TechCrunch, like Ars Technica, will link out to the fundamentals of the story and allow me to go and read that court case, re read that official blog post, and, and kind of get that 360-degree view. I make notes out of that. I put that in the lineup. And then at 11 o'clock, or then at 12 o'clock, I go back to the headlines and I finalize them. Uh, and I say to Jenny, okay, the headlines are locked. Uh, 
And that's when Jenny starts to know, okay, I need to keep an eye on things too in case something big breaks so that we can put it in the headlines. Um, you know, if, if somebody makes a big announcement or somebody dies or, or anything like that. And 12 to 12.30, 12 to 12.45, I'm writing headlines. Uh, just, again, trying to make sure I get those headline pieces good. Jenny has saved my butt because she's put in pick of the day and picked the emails and listened to the voicemails. And so about 12.45 is when I look through all of that, make sure I understand what's going on with those, see if there's any additional research I need to do about that, uh, bring in that voicemail into my iPad, do all the kind of technical stuff. And 1 o'clock is when I sit down, log into the chat room, start looking at Feedly to see if any last-minute stuff is breaking, maybe write a last-minute headline or two, uh, and, and then call up the guest, make sure they're, they're good, everything's cool with them, talk to the chat room, see if what mood they're in, what's happening there. Uh, sometimes I'll tweak stuff uh, in the lineup at the last minute because of that, because they're really talking about something really interested, might want to elevate it. Uh, and then 1.15, get the person in the hangout, 1.30, do the show. 2 o'clock, we're done with the show. I take the audio hijack file and I edit it live on video. You see everything that happens then. And then uh, around about 2.30, I'm usually done upstairs brewing some tea and having a biscuit. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Hey there. Hey, are you TV's Egon? Uh, I might be, yes. Um, I was going to actually ask about Jenny's uh, impact in the show, but she very eloquently went into what she does. Um, so what I'd ask... You can ask is, Tom if he, if he likes having me on the show. I love having you on the show. <laughs> we, we all love Don't it. even Pray, need to ask. Do it. But not, not to get too not to get too uh, squishy or, or emotional, but obviously six months now you've been independent, and I'm just wondering, you know, how you're feeling along the lines of what you see for the next six months because it started out, you know, it was kind of uh, jarring, I guess is a nice way to put it, and now you're, you know, fairly established, and you know, people are writing articles about how everything is going, and thanks you know, to how Jenny, do you see it for the next, uh, you know, six months, <laughs> year, etc. You know, what I, Tom what I looks feel, great on that cover, by the way. <laughs> I didn't know you had that art. I had to really work that, work that look. Um, <laughs> the next six months, I feel like I want to take advantage of the fact that we have got a rhythm. Like, it's only in the past month and a half or so that this has started to feel like normal, and I'm not having to think about every single thing. I mean, we have this huge, ridiculous checklist because there was so much to keep track of, and everything was new, and everything was a different way of doing things. Uh, and now I'm proud of myself that I'm like, in front of the checklist. I'm only using the checklist to make sure I didn't miss anything, not to like tell me what to do next. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to these specials and finding out with the, with the chat room, with the audience, like what new kinds of content, where can we go, what can we do, and grow this thing organically. Um, but it, it's nice to finally get to a point where you don't feel like you're inventing something anymore. I feel like we're now we're starting to perfect something. Cool. Well, thanks. We hey, are pretty... Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, hey, yeah, everybody who asked a question... You get a sticker. Yeah, come get your sticker. We are out of sticker. time. It's 131. We're actually a little over time. How fast are your questions? Um, Speed round. Depends on how fast you answer them. Okay, ask fast, <laughs> um, I'll answer fast. Specifically for this show, you you always have rotating guests and everything, but you guys always sound so natural. I, was, I, I know you do a lot of prep beforehand as far as the notes and everything, but how do you get like just a quick transition where it's like, Immediately, you jump to Justin, he pulls up a headline. Then you go to Patrick, he pulls up a headline. Like, how do you, because your shows in particular are very good at that. He's been doing this for 15,000 years. <laughs> so. I am an, an immortal. I mean, the, 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 the short, short version from somebody who joins in is that when a rhythm is established, 
it's easy to fall into it. Yeah. It is easier to fall into it. And it is Tom setting that blueprint. That it's, helps. It's, and practice. Uh, you know, the more you do it, and as long as, and paying attention to what you're doing, I think, is the addition to that. Uh, but just do stuff a lot and look at what you're doing and try to be honest with yourself about where you're like, I think I could do that better. I think that would feel better. That's, that's all I can say. I think there, that gets a little bit into how to do a podcast so yeah, very, very quickly, but the, a lot of people underestimate the amount of work that it, that the hosts uh, or the, the main host puts in to make sure that that flow is created and everyone stays on topic and it stays entertaining at the same time and you don't go too far. Like That's a huge amount of work, and I think it only comes with uh, practice and habit. And your question, your very last question. That was a good one. Thank you. Um, as an extreme cord cutter, I will never get cable again. How do you guys feel about the Aereo thing? It kind of freaks me out. Yeah, it's sad. I think it's going to set back uh, a lot of progress towards cord cutting. But I don't think Aereo is the solution because it was taking something that was going to die anyway, which is over-the-air broadcasting, and was a patch. But it was that kind of patch that could smooth us into something new. It's just going to take a little longer. I think that's that's what I think. I mean... The content goes where the money is, and the money increasingly is going toward people getting it how they want it. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen you. of Nerdtacular. You've been amazing. Go get ribbon. Ribbon. Hear that? Those are ribbons that y'all can get. <laughs> <laughs>